0: Welcome in to the Heat Check College Basketball Podcast. We're talking Champions Classic reactions. We are overreacting to week one of the college basketball season. And I don't know about Griffin and Peyton, but to some extent we are going to use what we've seen to as a little bit of a cheat sheet, uh, maybe made a couple amendments to our final four national player of the year, coach of the year picks. We'll do that at the end of the show, but we just finished watching it. The champions classic, Michigan state beat Duke at Cameron indoor Kansas beat Kentucky and in Indianapolis a night before we will see the Jimmy V classic tomorrow night in Indy, West Virginia playing at Zaga, Illinois playing Baylor. It should be extremely great basketball, but let's talk about tonight. I will start a little choose your own adventure Uh, Peyton, which game would you like to talk about first?
1: Well, I think we should probably go with the one that's freshest, which is Kansas and Kentucky. That game just finished within the last 30 minutes. Um, Kansas battled back. I think Kentucky's got some pretty clear and obvious flaws, showed a lot of fight, got some good games out of players (laughs) that are going to have to be big for them because clearly this team – From what we've seen so far from B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark, those guys aren't the dudes who are ready to just step in and shoulder the offensive load at the collegiate level day one. They may be by March, but they're not right now. Kentucky is going to need performances like they got out of Olivier Saar and some of the other dudes on this roster to be in that conversation for a three, two, one seed. They got those tonight. Kansas didn't shoot well, and Kansas still found a way to battle through it do what they had to do. Christian Brown pretty much held the team together um, till the end where everybody kind of stepped up. Ochai Baji had a big performance on the stretch. What a performance from Jalen Wilson in the second half. I think he went for 23. Um, Dan Schulman had the stat. With under five minutes to play in the half, Wilson was the only guy to have a field goal for Kansas, which is incredible considering he really wasn't uh, a prime performer for this team coming into the year. That's not a guy that we had circled. He was huge. Um, we're getting to know these teams, and Kansas makes a really good bounce back claim after giving up 100 to Gonzaga, kind of struggling a little bit with St. Joe's before pulling away late. This was a tough one, a rock fight that they had to will themselves to a win, and they did it.
2: Yeah. I mean, you talked about Kentucky's flaws. We know them going in. They're not a very good shooting team. And one of the national criticisms then them, they don't get many assists in the half court. And I think that's due to the way Kyle Perry uh, runs his offense. I talked about this when we did Kudwood Show with Kentucky. They run a dribble drive NBA style kind of offense. And you wonder why Kentucky produces amazing guards year in and year on the NBA draft. Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox. Guy, like I can go on. There's a, such a – huge list of these guys you wonder why it's because they play in this kind of offense and it's ugly in the first few games because it's brand new five-star recruits coming in year in and year out and they're still trying to find their game and adjust to the college level so it's always ugly to start but I'm honestly with the way they play defense tonight Kentucky might have lost but this team come March is going to be very very dangerous Isaiah Jackson is insane around the rim along with Olivier Saar you have that two-man punch in the in the front court, you have Sarr kind of doing the thing offensively. And then Isaiah Jackson defensively was elite tonight. Yeah. And I know David McCormick isn't the best big man in the world, but it's not like he's the worst either. And he made him look awful tonight. Um, so I was really impressed with how Kentucky played defense. Their offense will come around. It happens every year. They've got some guys that can do it. I like Brandon Boston a lot. He showed some promise tonight at some point. But they just – they start knocking down some shots. Kentucky's going to be really dangerous. You go to Kansas. I've got a whole lot to say about Kansas during this whole this whole podcast. But on an, a night where they looked awful, so many positives. The depth of this team is great. Once again, they've got guys coming out of nowhere playing – I mean, like you said, J- Jalen Willison goes out there and scores 21 of his 23 points in that second half. Great stat that Shulman shared that he was the only person to score a field goal until under five minutes in that second half. He was unbelievable. Christian Brown can do a little bit of everything. He didn't have that many points tonight, but you could see the way he affected it on the And then Dewan Harris also, I know, who Gabe is just raving about it. He'll probably talk about him here in a second. Guys like that, that's what, make, that's what makes Kansas so good. When Marcus Garrett can't have his best night um, and he's supposed mm. to lead this team, they can step up in many different ways. Ochai Abaji looked great. Um, this team is just so deep and they're, they're so, so good. I I really don't think they're taking much of a drop off as far as talent wise from last year, basically how deep they are. They look really good. That's a huge win. They played awful in that first half and they still walk away with the win tonight against a tough defensive team, even though Kentucky's not great offensively, that is a hell of a matchup on defense for any team in the country. And they, they did a great job fighting through it.
1: Yeah, I will say this. Um, Kentucky has made nine threes over the course of their first three games, none against Richmond in the loss, only three tonight. Six of them came in the season opener. That was against Moorhead State, Kenneth freed you. So that is something that's going to be the determinant factor between Kentucky. And this seems obvious, but I think it's just true, so I'm going to emphasize it. That's going to be the determinant factor of whether or not Kentucky's a team that is going to scrap to make the second weekend and a final four team. Olivier Saar has shown a lot of promising mid range touch. Looks like he's got a good stroke, good fundamentals. I would really like to see him step out to the arc and try some
0: threes. I think that's going to be huge for Kentucky. So I'm just going to say this because I know that people are going to say, like, Kentucky is they do this all the time. And this year's schedule, because of COVID and because there are less of the cupcakes and all of the legit teams on it remained. And there aren't there aren't as many of those Moorhead states. Um, there are going to be some losses here in November and here in now December, as today's the first day of December. It's going to get ugly. And they like they played that. Calipari clip where some people would call it excuse making other people would just be say it, it's him being realistic. And I think that actually it is more realistic and I respect that he is playing a super tough schedule, but there's pretty good chance that we get into January and Kentucky is fighting to be ranked because they're going to lose some of these games. And the three point shooting is definitely an issue um, and what what I will say as to why I'm not concerned about what Kansas did shooting the three ball and as opposed to what Kentucky did shooting the three ball is for the first three games, Kentucky has had multiple open looks in all of these games and has not made any of them. Mm-hmm. And as someone tonight yep. who, was, who was on the end of preferring that Kentucky missed threes, at no point was I ever worried when a Kentucky shooter went no, after. Shoot a ball. So, that's going to be a thing where they are definitely on the making a champion early chopping block. And I'm not going to say it right away, but when people get into February and they start saying, this is a final four team, this is a team that's going to like, a threat to get to the final four because all the pieces are there. They have all the athletes, they have all the talent and they have SAR who is a veteran. And I have my doubts about SAR and I'll get to that. Their shooting is definitely going to be the downfall. Yeah. and we saw it tonight, that's the reason why they can lose to an 8 seed. That's the reason they could lose to a really good 9, 10, 11, 12 seed, like a Richmond team. We saw how they lost to a team with with as much talent as them in Kansas, and we saw how they lost to a team like Richmond, who just plays great team basketball. Mm -hmm. So that concerns me. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on Olivier Saar because, to me, that is the thing that concerns – the Kentucky people the most, because he only played 14 minutes tonight. He had a bunch of foul trouble. It's the same problems he had at Wake Forest. He can't well, stay
1: the court. Let, let me add this, that I, I do think it's funny that you heard that clip <laughs> of Cal ahead of the, the halftime break. He gets interviewed, and he goes, we don't make excuses at this program. If you make excuses, you can take them to a different program. And it's like, Cal, that's all you – you do in the early season is, well, it's a young team, you know, and he's right. Maybe they're not excuses or reasons, and that might be fair, but we can't make excuses for Olivier Sar. He's a veteran on this team. This was the thing he had to clean up. He couldn't get in foul trouble. You're a big guy. You're the biggest guy on the floor. You have to go straight up, and that compromised Kentucky immensely because early on when he wasn't in foul trouble – Kansas couldn't get to the rim. Jackson was getting help side blocks and turning things back. Sar was shutting down half of the court on the backside as a help defender, and that's how Kansas fell into that hole of what? What were they down? Thirteen at the start of the game, something
0: like that. It was yep. It was like seventeen to five at one point. It was it was ugly. But the 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 not being able to to get shots at the rim for Kansas was entirely about David McCormick being on the floor. Fair enough. Fair
1: enough. And 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 that's what stress saw out is when they went to the five guards, he got in foul trouble.
0: Every time that McCormick was on the floor and, and this is Kansas got down 49, 45 in the second half and it looked like they were kind of slipping. And then, and then the Jalen Wilson barrage hit. Um, But when they got, The 49-45 point in the second half is when it looked the most like the first half, and the first half was a bunch of them trying to force-feed David McCormick. And when McCormick was in the game, every drive to the rim, whoever was guarding McCormick was going to block the shot. It was just a matter of fact, and they continued to try it over and over again. I understand why Bill Self's doing it, because he knows that he needs McCormick in March. And the fact that they won this game, despite doing that and trying that for so long— is something to be commended for. But Jalen Wilson, the five guard attack, that is going to be the, this KU team is not by any means close to what I'm going to compare them to in this, but the analogy of that five guard attack being like the, the Warriors type death lineup, that's, that's the thing that Bill Self's gonna keep in his back pocket all the time. And subbing, I, the, the minutes tonight tell you a ton of, sto- of, of the story. Six guys really played a ton. Dewan Harris played 25 minutes. No one else off the bench played more than 10. And Dewan ended up with more minutes than David McCormick. He had 25. McCormick had 19. On nights like this, that's what it's got to be. What'd you think, Griff?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, looking, going back to Olivier Sarr for a second, the fact you're right, these guys stay out of foul trouble. And there was also that clip of Cal going on the court and showing where he needs to stand on defense so he can stay out of foul trouble. This guy is so important for Kentucky offensively. He's such a gifted player down on the low block. He can stretch you out to the elbow. And, Peyton, like you said, you'd like him to see him go and shoot threes. He's got great touch mm-hmm. for a guy his size. Goes four, six, scores eight points tonight. Six rebounds. He's a good rebounder. Kentucky's got two elite rebounders and Isaiah Jackson, Olivier Saar. But they can only take – I mean, Isaiah Jackson was the only one that can really benefit tonight. Saar plays 14 minutes, goes out there and gets eight and six on four of six shooting. They win this game if he's out there longer. He was unstoppable down low, but he's just not out there on the court long enough. He brings a – also offensive rebounding, he brings great presence there too. But credit to Kansas, driving the lane, staying aggressive, not going away from their plan. Yeah, they didn't shoot the ball great tonight, but they were able to get sorry in foul trouble. Jackson had his way because they kept going in, but eventually it paid off in one way or another. You might have gotten eight blocks in a game. Cool, that's going to look good on your stat sheet, but Kansas ends up winning because they get one of your best offensive players off the court. Kansas with a really good really good game plan tonight. If they were more efficient, they blow this game out. It's not even close.
1: How, how similar does this feel to last year whenever Kansas was forcing McCormick into the fourth spot next to Doak and they lost to Duke, they lost to Villanova because the offense wasn't running the way it was supposed to because McCormick is a guy that, granted, he's been through the wars. He's now in his senior year at Kansas – He has earned the opportunity to start, but it just feels like his decision-making at times, I I will give him he's gotten better as a passer out of the the post, out of the block, but he just – he clogs things up, and it's not his fault. He just doesn't have a skill set where you really have anything added to this offense, and because he's on the floor, Kansas is struggling to break 70, 80 points – when they could really start pushing things with a five-guard lineup like they did last year, a four-guard and doak lineup. They don't have that luxury this year with a seven-footer that can just dominate around the rim. But as a center offensively, in this day and age, if you're not going to be an overpowering force as a rim runner or you're not going to be able to step out and shoot threes, you're useless and you're going to hurt your team. And that's how I feel about McCormick. So when you say you think Kansas is going to need him in March, I don't think I agree with that. Because well, if, guys, if guys box out, guys like Christian Brown are going to be able to go get rebounds, over seven-footers. They did it tonight, and they're going to be able to play a lot of bigs off the floor.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with that. My Here's my thing. The I was watching the game with some people who root for Kansas, and I will say this. I was getting a lot of hate for my hate of David McCormick, and I was being told that I needed to be more positive, but – as the game progressed, and as Mr. Stonehands himself didn't catch the ball, and every time he shot it, he tried to throw the ball through the backboard or through a through a teammate's hands. Because you say he's better for passing out of the post, he's better at sometimes passing out of the post. <laughs> but when he does it, he whips it like a guy who's yeah. trying to throw ninety nine yeah. on the corner of the on the corner of the strike zone. Um, that's the that's the thing that's concerning. The reason that he struggles is because teams know defensively every time the ball is thrown into him in the post, it's not coming back out. So they double with no fear that the ball is coming back to the perimeter, which is what they need to is have that threat because CB is going to make those shots. Christian Brown is going to make those shots. Ochai is going to make those shots and it's just a matter of time. Um, I, I will go on and on. He just – He doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt anymore because he's doing the same things as a junior, as what he did as a freshman. And the shot selection is atrocious and there, there will never be a mid range fadeaway Kobe jumper from David McCormick with 20 seconds on the shot clock that I will applaud, even if it goes in. So that's as much David McCormick talk as I can handle because tonight should be celebratory uh, in the Kansas books for winning ugly.
2: Yeah, and you would, you would never think that Kansas, like Jayhawk fans would look back and the thing they would miss about Dokai Zabuki was his offensive presence, actually, and they actually miss it quite a bit sometimes because, he, yeah, he wasn't the most gifted guy down there with the craziest moves in the post, right. but what he was was an elite lob presence and a guy that could finish over anybody in the country. They don't have that this year. And they Kansas, I've seen it. They tried to run it tonight. They're trying to run the same lob actions they ran Doken last year with McCormick. It does not work. They got a couple fouls, a couple opportunities with free throw line for McCormick. Very good free throw shooter for a guy his size for a center. Good free throw shooter. But he is not as a and He cannot go finish over a guy like Isaiah Jackson or Olivier Saar. He just doesn't have the same leaving ability. He doesn't have the same physicality as a guy like Azebuki does. And, yes, you're missing out on a historically good defensive center, but you're also missing out on a guy that can basically finish over anybody. Kansas is missing out on their offensive sets, so they're going to have to try to adjust there. And it can work from time to time, but it has to be more open as compared to last year. It didn't really have to be open. You just had to get high enough for Azebuki to go jump up and catch it.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be more so interesting for, for Marcus Garrett because his best attribute as an offensive player, at least the version of him that we've seen so far, is his elite ability to find the soft spots and make the right decisions in pick and roll, which does not look like it's going to be a part of Kansas's offense this year because McCormick can't do that, and that was Kansas' entire offense last year. So I'm interested to see the development of Marcus Garrett going forward, whether or not they can start to do some guard-to-guard pick-and-roll action, pick-and-pop, get him going that way, because Marcus Garrett's mid-range game is going to be something that I think Kansas can rely on. It's whether or not they're going to be able to get him to those spots, get him downhill, and allow him to make those pocket passes, those lob passes that he's so good at, because I just don't see McCormick being a long-term part of this team. I just don't think he should play more than fifteen minutes a game. I think it hurts Kansas when he's out there. Given he's giving a lot of effort, and I got
0: to give him respect for that. The problem is that he he has to play to some extent, um, unless they just go full Rockets, Maury Ball. But that is something I will say this of note. I'm not entirely sure that this is is the case, but when the when Kentucky played Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse in 2016, I'm pretty sure both teams were ranked the same as they were now. Kansas was seven or they were either seven or five. Kentucky was definitely 20. Um, and that Kentucky team lost in the second round of the tournament to Indiana, that mm. Kansas team lost in the elite eight to Villanova. And I could very much see that being the case for these two teams based on the way that I feel that one team played near its floor and one team played about in its middle. Um, in that case, let's talk about the earlier game in the Champions Classic. Number eight, Michigan State, took down number six, Duke, 75 to 69. I was wrong, Peyton. Matthew Hurt had 21 points, 13 rebounds, but Duke did not win. What did you think was the difference uh, in terms of Michigan State being able to overwhelm Duke?
1: Well, I'll say this. I, th- I think that we overlooked, because this is year two now, of the three-point line being moved back. I think we overlooked the difficulty that was going to be on freshmen with this weird offseason to move their three-point range back and just hit consistently because Duke had open looks all night long for these freshman guys, whether it was Breakfield or it was Johnson, et cetera, et cetera, steward, and they couldn't hit them, and it killed Duke because Michigan State was a team of guys that were sophomores, juniors, seniors – who have been in a college weight program for an extended period of time, and they beat Duke to every 50-50 ball. So if that's going to happen and you can't hit threes, you're not going to win. They got the lead early. Michigan State out-toughed them. And I have been as impressed, and we'll do our overreactions here in a second. I have been as impressed by Michigan State as anybody in the country, and that includes Gonzaga. The performance they had tonight was that of a team that can win a national championship. They're tough. They've got a lot of guys who can go get a bucket. When the offense breaks down, they got five guys that can just go score. But they don't have to because they play good team offense. Hauser was awesome. Um, I do think some of it is that Duke physically, they don't have that dominant guy down low, hurt. Although he put on about 20 pounds, feels like he needs about 20 more. Um, He was awesome, a little bit inefficient, got knocked off his spot a lot. But that's the other thing. Michigan State defensively didn't give Duke an inch when they were trying to get position. Guys would get into the post, they'd get rebounds, and Michigan State would just keep coming, keep relocating you, pushing you off your spots, and it just didn't feel like Duke was ever comfortable in this game. I think Duke's got a lot of upside. I still think they're the best team in this league, especially after what happened to Virginia. But, wow, Michigan
0: State was awesome. Griffin, the – we're going to start doing a Sunday night little mini heat check pull inside, pull behind the curtain. But I'm going to pull behind the curtain already and say you had Michigan State at 19 in your poll this week. Can you just, like, explain to us your rationale behind that, why you're so low on Michigan State, and did tonight change anything for you?
2: Well, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was low on Michigan State. I just needed to see them prove it against Ta- – I was really waiting for this game. I had just seen – I the thing was with Michigan State, right? And actually, Coach Tom Izzo said this earlier. It was after the – I think it was after the Stanford – no, it was after the Indiana game this morning. It was like the, the break between the Stanford and North Carolina game and the Indiana-Texas game this morning. Izzo hopped on the ESPN, you know, show that bridges between the two games. And he said that, you know – people are getting on me about playing 10 or 11 guys and honestly tom Izzo needs to keep doing that all season because this michigan team is so or michigan state team is so deep it's ridiculous and it, the fact that he's getting criticism for playing that many guys is honestly bad they have got so many different options that really are, that really showcase tonight link hall marble put up amazing minutes Lang, joshua langford as hasn't even got his feet back under him no no pun intended there as he's coming back from a foot injury Mm -hmm. but he's still getting back into the flow of things and when he gets back oh my goodness this team's gonna have way too this team's gonna have so many options on offense rocket Watts looks really good i talked about that and could what should if he's gonna be elite michigan State's gonna go with him there i know peyton said that on our gm earlier as well but that just shows how true that is how special a player he can be and where he's gonna take this team if you don't like the way the Hauser brothers play basketball, you don't like watching the sport. Joey Hauser is a pure basketball player as it comes from a forward spot, rebounds the ball in Stanley Will and can shoot it. Aaron Henry is a two way stud. Mm-hmm. He didn't shoot the ball that well tonight, but three steals, three blocks, still found a way to put up 14 points and helps out in the rebounds and can play make. This team could do it in all sorts of different ways and defensively as well, is where I was really impressed tonight. Man, they, they, were, they were very impressive. They will definitely be moving way up past 19. It's just that we saw other teams play better competition early in the first week of college hoops. And this is why you talk about overreactions. And this is what the polls are. You know, that's what they reflect the first week. I only saw two games from teams, two games where Michigan State doesn't really play anybody. Right. I saw San Diego State go out there and play UCLA, who was a team that I had pretty high. Mm-hmm. And they went out there and whooped them. So it's like, oh, yeah, San Diego State's going to move. I think I had them at 16. And that makes sense because they played a team in UCLA, beat them down pretty good. Michigan State doesn't really play anybody. I still think they're top 25 worthy. So I slid them down a little bit. They're definitely moving up next week as long as they don't drop a a bye game here. I'm not sure what the rest of their schedule looks like going forward the rest of this week. But don't think they'll be playing a team as the caliber of Duke. They they look pretty good going in. And I think Mm. the Big Ten is going to be very tough to tell who's going to win. There are, I think – five teams that are going to be top 10 worthy. I know you guys don't like Wisconsin, but they look pretty good early. They haven't really played anybody yet, but they are dominating as they should. And then going back to Duke, Peyton, you're right, the three-point shooting. You mentioned with the freshman. a guy like Brakefield, who is a shooting specialist for them. One of three tonight, four or six from the field, could be better from downtown. But I'm looking at guys like Wendell Moore, sophomores that should be adjusted to this to this three-point line. He, went, he goes 0 for 9, 0 of 6 from downtown. Stewart, 0 of 7, 0 for 3. These guys need to step up. You can't. You can't just sit there and rely on Matthew Hurt mm-hmm. to go and get you buckets in the mid range, and, and down on the inside. They got to score from the outside. Yeah, and they weren't able to do that tonight. Very impressed with Michigan State. They proved me wrong this week. I, I didn't mean to disrespect them. So any Spartans fans out there, didn't mean to disrespect your team. I just needed to see it against a good team, and I definitely saw it tonight.
0: I do wonder if there's one of these one of these. Uh, things I've been kind of mulling in terms of not necessarily an overreaction, but just a COVID takeaway, which this can kind of shift us into um, just kind of reactions to week one. Not We're not going to get to our overreactions quite yet, but just general discussions of, of what's going on in college basketball. But the Wendell Moore thing, it kind of brings up something and goes into what we saw in Kentucky and Kansas and just poor shooting tonight. I almost think that not having fans and playing in empty gyms, your, your ugly nights are going to be even more ugly just because
1: the only Mm -hmm.
0: thing, the only thing that can get yourself going is yourself. You're not getting spurred on by a, a rowdy fan base where one jumper falls and it feels like the, just the entire air comes back into the gym and gets behind you and you feel like suddenly there's a rush there. It's, It's just like a a super glorified scrimmage. And if you don't have it, there's nothing other than yourself and your own thoughts. And so I think that the really bad shooting performances could be horrible this year at times.
1: Yeah. Let me me hit a couple game icing free throws on this discussion here about Michigan State and Duke real quick before we move on. What a job by – Hauser, all the bigs, Marble, who had the best game of his career, his young career in this game, of just running Matthew Hurt off the three-point line. There were so many times where it looked like – and he needs to be the the paragon shooter on this team, I think, at least in the early going while other guys kind of find their legs because he's got the most natural face-up game of – Closing down that space, there were multiple times where Hurt wanted to shoot the three and just couldn't because there wasn't room. Only got three attempts off. Credit to Michigan State there. How about the little bait and switch from Tom Izzo of like, I don't know, Foster Lawyer might be the point guard. He starts the first two games. Here comes Rocket Watts, the guy that we expected to take that Denzel Valentine, that Cassius Winston, jump into being this team's guard that everything goes around he was terrific in this game. Maybe, I mean, I think you can make the argument it's the best game that he's played of his career, certainly the most substantive. And then you talk about Langford. Baldhead Langford is a different kind of cat. He's scary. He doesn't care, doesn't need hair. He's just out here, D dude's up, doing everything that Michigan State needs him to do. And I just, I love how this team is architected because I feel confident in each of their five guys to A, execute defensively and do the little things and run the offense, but B, take a game-winning shot. And I don't think a lot of teams in the country have that kind of fortitude. The cojones factor with the Spartans is off the charts right now. So I am am riding on an adrenaline high with Tom Izzo's squad for sure.
0: The leading assist man on Michigan State tonight was Aaron Henry with five. And Rocket Watts... um, shot the ball 16 times. He only had two assists. So he's not going to be the traditional Tom Izzo uh, point guard. He's not going to be what Cassius Winston was. He's not going to be what Mateen Cleaves or guys like that were. Not going to be that kind of old school distribute the ball type point guard. But if they have a bunch of guys – who play, make, and do stuff. That's how they're going to be good because when it was ugly tonight against Duke and it was ugly at times, it was because the shot selection was poor. And that happens at times with college basketball players and no one is immune to that, but it certainly can be a problem. Um, So I think that that was a, we learned a lot from the champions classic tonight. We've also learned a lot from bubbleville, um, from from different places around the college basketball world, we've seen so many different MTEs and all of these things. Um, it's been interesting to see just random teams playing on random courts. We had a crazy triple overtime game between Pepperdine and UCLA at San Diego State, which transitions me into talking a little bit about West Coast basketball and a little bit up our alley, the Pac-12. So UCLA loses to San Diego State. Mm-hmm. We talked. We talked very, very briefly on our Big East preview pod about ASU and their loss to Villanova, but we didn't really get into them. We were talking more about Villanova. And we haven't seen Oregon yet, but we've seen Stanford in the Maui. So of the Pac-12, it's certainly a league that we are going to follow closely because we're just so close to it. What has stood out to you guys so far and has anything changed in terms of your conference
2: projections? I mean... I don't want to sit here – yeah, we're going to get into overreactions in a second. But UCLA struggling here in the season. Now, San Diego State, probably a little bit of an underrated team coming into this season. They are a menace defensively. They show that against UCLA. But then going three overtimes with Pepperdine. Granted, Pepperdine is not a terrible team. Let's keep that in mind. Pepperdine's solid. Go Waves. You know, they're out there. But, you know, UCLA, Mick Cronin, Money McCronin, the boys, shouldn't be getting that close. To them, there that that's a little bit scary. So I think you know UCLA is gonna have to find something here in the middle of the season. I like the way USC looked today against BYU. They oh, beat yeah. the brakes off of them. Talked about USC a little bit in Couldwood Should. I'm glad the teams I talked about in Couldwood Should are in the spotlight here early in the season because I get to learn a lot about them from what I was predicting. And with USC, they're dominant down low. They're gonna be really tough for teams in the Pac-12, especially a team like ASU that struggles with big men. The Mobley brothers are dangerous for ASU that is a tough matchup that they're gonna have to go against in Pac-12 play those two guys are really dominant USC is a player in the Pac-12 Andy Enfield's got a player in the conference once again just like they do year in and year out they're gonna be a sleeper team they're coming in really been impressed with Stanford Zaire Williams is the truth that dude can ball garbage technical foul calling him today by the way that's garbage officiating just it, it, there's, I know I don't think we're doing scholarships and sanctions in here, but if I had to hand out the sanction of the first week of college hoops, it's to the refs. They've sucked. The whole first week, they've been awful. I can't tell you how many times we've gone to the monitor at unnecessary points in the GM. Every time there's a time where we should not be going to the monitor, it's in there. I, 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 it is ridiculous how many times we've gone to the monitor, the amount of garbage calls, refs sanctioned. Zaire Williams, Scholarship for that dunk. He's already got one. He's maybe getting a little bit on the side. Who knows? You never know. That that's like ten years down the line, an investigation might occur. Who knows? But hell of a player. He's played really well. Pac-12 is wide open. I can't wait to see what we see out of Oregon. Uh, ASU looks really good, but I have concerns about their big men play. But they have they have infinite scoring options. Kamani Lawrence comes back. Looks really good against Houston Baptist again. Houston Baptist, but first game in a while. Comes back. Looks really good. Pac-12 is gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Definitely going to be a hectic conference for sure. There's going to be a lot of fluctuation between teams one through five, I think. Um, no, anyway, Washington, not in it, if you were wondering. They're terrible. Had an awful loss today. I think it was UC Riverside who they played, and they lost by, like, 15. So, they're, I, they're, they're not a factor. But Pac-12 Fact never- is going to look really good at the top. Kind of like, I don't think it's on the level. Like the, the top five teams of the Big Ten are, like, elite teams as far as country in the country goes. The pac 12 just got five really good teams at the top. That'll be fun to watch in general. So, like, you've kind of got that same watchability factor of this shift of these five teams throughout the standings and the battle that's going to ensue potentially in the conference tournaments and the, in the battle for the seeding in that conference. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of different styles of basketball is going to be playing. Don't forget about Colorado. They got McKinley Wright, one of the best point guards in the country, very talented player. pac is going to be a lot of fun to watch for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I think when you talk about Stanford – we know, I think it's becoming very clear that Dejon Davis, who, by the way, played 39 of 40 minutes tonight against North Carolina. This team is extraordinarily top-heavy. You know what you're going to get out of this. Zaire's going to be a little bit variable some nights. He'll get you 25, and the, the stroke will look pure. And his jumper, of all the freshmen in the country, if I have to bet on one of those dudes, the laser's pointed at the planet, and one of the freshmen in the nation has to hit a three to save us, I'm I'm sending Zaire Williams to the line um, to to shoot the three because that guy's stroke is ridiculous. But some nights he's a freshman and he'll score ten like he did today. He done a little bit more. North Carolina falls to Stanford. They don't. Um, Dejon Davis got 18, led all scores for the Cardinals, but they're gonna need more out of Oscar de Silva on a nightly basis. They're gonna have to figure out who that third guy is that they can lean on because really outside of the starting five for Stanford, nothing inspires much confidence. The other takeaway from Maui is Texas looks better than any team that Shaka's had there, and I, that is an overreaction. And maybe I'm jumping the gun, but Long Hair Shaka is out here. I, I guess um, I guess Langford traded his hair to Shaka Smart um, because. That man's got a Chia pet on top of his head all of a sudden. I think his the, the comeback of Shaka Smart's hairline is better than 28-3. to three. It, it is ridiculous. But his team is out here playing with, like, an actual offense, with a ton of dudes who can beat you and score the ball, and it's not just Greg Brown. And, I mean, there's a lot of reason to be really excited that Texas might be this third team in the Big 12. That's going to be a top ten caliber team. We'll see. They play North Carolina tomorrow, but if they looked like how they looked the first two games here in Maui, given one was against Davidson, Davidson I think is pretty good this year. Um, that's a team that I mean has Final Four potential for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, we're just kind of like, We're really just bouncing around here because there's so much going on. Um. The Texas thing is super interesting to me because I don't know if I should buy in quite yet. Let me just say this. I'm not selling my, I'm not selling my anti-Shaka smart stock quite yet, but it is something to monitor because this is probably in three games is the best coaching job he's done at Texas so far. And by far is the most impressive thing that he's done in Austin. Um, and I, like, before this, I mean, most people, if, if they don't listen to this before tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central time or 1 p.m. Pacific, uh, are going to listen to this after the Maui Invitational is over. But I think that they are going to beat North Carolina tomorrow, if I had to predict. Um, and mm-hmm. so that is something to monitor. As far as the Pac-12 goes with ASU, I think that, This is a very interesting, and and just in in general in the conference, USC with Evan Mobley, Stanford with Williams, ASU with Christopher, and you can make a case for Marcus Bagley. Marcus Bagley, yes, 100%. The the race for Pac-12 freshman of the year is going to be absolutely furious and is going to be something that fluctuates and changes night to night in the same way that the – Pac-12 player of the year race last year kind of changed back and forth between Pritchard and Remy Martin.
2: Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I mean, the Pac-12's got some of the best collection of young talent in the country, I would say. I mean, you got two guys on the same team in Bagley and Christopher that are going to be competing night in and night out for that freshman of the year spot. Josh Christopher gets first Pac-12 freshman of the week honors. He looked very good uh, against Villanova, scoring twenty eight. Then ASU was in a collective team against Houston Baptist again. Houston Baptist, not even—I I, don't—they're I, I, not anything good. But they go out there and they do the job. Bobby Hurley's squad looks pretty good offensively. The questions arise with the defense. Young team—they're gonna have to get—they're gonna have to figure it out. A bunch of new guys. They're still trying to build this chemistry, and I think that's the important part with ASU. They gotta—they gotta establish their identity together. They've got a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things. They just got to figure out how they're going to complement each other. Well, and then I think they'll be fine. But, you know, the the defense, is—you you can go out there and score all these points. But on a night where they're not going to be shooting as well, you saw that against Villanova, how are you going to win a ball game? You got to get stops. They couldn't do it against Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who had a career night against them. And that's what concerns me, a team with a dominant big man, that's why I say USC is a matchup you've got to circle when ASU goes to play them because that could be a game where if they need a win and they got matched up against the Trojans, that is going to be a tough matchup if they don't mm-hmm. get things figured out defensively. They're going to need guys like uh, Chris Austin to step up. They need Jalen Graham to become a little bit better down inside because without that presence down low, they're going to get bullied by some teams, especially in the Pac 12. So ASU's got some flaws, but I still think they, you know, they're moved down this week, I think, to number 25. Like that's. I, With a team with this much offense, they're going to go in, they're going to play Cal this week, see how they do. Road games in the Pac-12, we know how tough that is. Any team going in anywhere, we'll see how they handle that. That'll be a big litmus test for them, their first dabble in the conference play. And we'll see how they handle it on the road. Now, it should be a lot easier with no fans, but, no, Bobby Hurley's squads have had trouble going on the road recently. So we'll see if anything changes with that, uh, with all these offensive weapons. But, man, the Pac-12 is going to be tough. I really want to see how Oregon looks because – I think UCLA is going to be a little bit better than what they are now. They had a couple injuries. Juzang hasn't gotten any action yet. He's a big difference maker, especially from the perimeter. I think they'll get better when he comes back, and it's really going to be tough to see who wins this conference because I think Stanford is a lot better than, I think, even what we were anticipating. Yeah. Definitely way better than what the country is anticipating.
0: You're going to learn a lot really quickly with ASU because they play – and I'm just in this conference in general because there's so many more conference games in all of these conferences, and I think most of them are doing 20 games at least. Mm-hmm. ASU plays at Cal on Thursday. That's a that's a learning experience. First road conference game. First, I mean, first conference road trip for ASU, and we know how much trouble Bobby Hurley's had with that. And then next Thursday they get San Diego State at home, and that's a game that big game. Saw what they did to UCLA, yeah. um, and and that's a game where. At some point, the Pac-12 has to have some pride. You know, the number one team in the country is Gonzaga. It's a West Coast team, and it's not in, in your conference. BYU last year BYU last year was more nationally relevant than pretty much any team outside of Oregon was. And now this year, they have San Diego State, who, has, who was last year the last team in the country that was undefeated, had all this talk, was going to be a top-two seed. They just beat UCLA, who was, a, who was the preseason favorite to win the league. All of this, at some point, somebody has to have some pride in the conference and step up and represent, and that has to be ASU next week against San Diego State.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh, with Mensa for San Diego State back, which was the big story last year because Malachi Flynn emerged pretty quickly, and then Mensa got hurt, and Yanni Wetzel, the transfer from Vanderbilt, stepped in, kind of filled that void, and Mensa didn't really have this big a role when he came back. It's going to be interesting because ASU really struggled with – JRE, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was their undoing against Villanova. So I'm interested to see what they learned, how big a difference Kamani Lawrence makes in that. Um, we've learned a little bit about pretty much every league in the country. I feel like this is the last thing I'll say about this first weekend and change of the season. I feel like we know stuff about the big 10, the big East. I think we know some about the ACC. We haven't really seen Florida state that much yet. We've learned some stuff about Texas and the big 12 um, I still feel like I know nothing about the SEC other than Kentucky is going to struggle to shoot threes because Tennessee and Florida still have yet to play. So that's the other thing I'm looking forward to when those teams finally get back in action. I am fascinated to see what they look like because we're talking about Tennessee. I thought it was interesting. Tennessee moved up in our HC pool this week and they haven't played yet. So I am fascinated to see what Tennessee might look like as well. But other than that, I feel like we learned a lot already.
0: I felt really grimy just moving Tennessee up two spots because people lost. And I was like, I have a lot of faith in this team and I think they're the best team in the SEC. But LSU losing to St. Louis and Kentucky losing to Richmond, two, two SEC teams losing to A-10 teams for as much as we love the pay 10 this year <laughs> and think that they could get three or four bids um, with what Davidson did pushing Texas. What date? I mean, Dayton struggle with Eastern Illinois tonight, but they're talented. Richmond, St. Louis, that's – it's going to be a league that we're going to be keeping our eye on this year. Um, I have a feeling Peyton may get to them in week one overreactions. So oh, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get to those now. Uh, I will cede the floor to either of you, whoever thinks that they have um, an overreaction that may incite the most uh, – reaction
2: I guess. It's or- it's it's definitely going to be me because I know Peyton's probably going to explode when these words come out of my mouth. Um so after the first week of the college basketball season you kind of look at tonight and honestly I think tonight could have gone either way towards this but even if Kansas lost or if Kansas won I'm saying this regardless. I think by the end of the season Kansas, Kansas is Kansas is better than Baylor at the end of the day. I really think this. Now, is it more the fact that I don't trust Scott Drew? Yes, absolutely.
1: It's that. It is. But
2: I feel like Kansas is going to win the league. Kansas is going to go farther in the tournament. And I think Kansas is going to win the head-to-head matchups in the season. They might split. But I think if they go three, if they meet in the Big 12 championship, if there is one, uh, hopefully, you know, you just never know. You just got to hope that a full season plays out. I just think Kansas is better than them. And I, I say this because I what I wasn't expecting going into this year was Kansas to be so good offensively. Yes, they didn't look great tonight, but I think that was more of an inefficiency thing. I think it was just a bad night shooting. They go out there in their first two games. Yeah, the one against Gonzaga, the pace of that game was insane, which is why I think. But they gave up 100 points, but they go out there. They score 90 themselves, which is impressive. They go against St. Joseph's, terrible team, but they put up 94 and they go out tonight, they score 65 on a very good Kentucky defense, and they struggled shooting. They could have very easily put up 80 tonight with an average shooting night. I think Kansas is so good offensively, a lot better than people thought. And I know Baylor is so talented, and I get it, they're one of the best teams in the country. I'm not saying that, but I think Kansas is up there with those, with, with Baylor and Gonzaga as far as that elite tier goes. I think they're right in there because. They have one of the best coaches, and they've got the talent. They can – and like you said, Payne, it could be anyone any night. Christian Brown goes out there and scores 30 against St. Joseph's. Marcus Garrett that first game and Ochai Abaji look great. Tonight it's Jalen Wilson. Any of these guys can go off. Imagine one night where all of them are clicking on all cylinders. You're going to get double digits made out of four or five different guys. It's going to look like a lot like Michigan State did tonight, getting double digits from five different guys. They're so deep. And they have guys that are willing to play defense and they've got role players. Like they've got everything. They've got everything you want out of them. I'm really impressed with Kansas. Again, I think this, and you know what you hate a team with motivation is one of the worst things. This is a team in Kansas that feel like they were robbed of a national championship last year. They went in as the number one overall seed. It was their championship to go out there and lose as much as Peyton thinks Dayton was the national championship team caliber two. They might've been, but Kansas yeah. definitely has,
0: no, for they, sure. and they
2: have plenty of returning players. If you like, we were robbed of a national title last year. Let's go get it this year. We, we want to earn it again. So they've got the motivation. I think they're just, I think they might be a deeper team than they were last year, as far as what they've got on their bench. Sure. And they've got guys that are stepping up. So that might be my overreact. That is definitely one of my overreactions. But at the end, I think Kansas is going to be the better team than Baylor. But when it's all said and done.
1: I, I wonder how much about the, the, because when you actually look at the numbers, we, we harp on Scott Drew so much, right, about how he's never made it past the Elite Eight, although he's been to fair few Elite Eights at this point. The fact that he's gotten out of the, the first weekend of the tournament four times, he's been down in the first weekend four times, but Bill Self has only gotten out eight times compared to six first weekend exits, and we just assume that Self is so much better, I think – we all know that when you actually watch it, yeah, I think we'd all bet on Bill Self in Kansas, but I don't know how big the gap is. Maybe I'm getting lured back into this trap again, um, but I, I really do think Baylor is significantly better. Um, they've got things that they can fall back on for Kansas. It's not like last year where Kansas could, if things were breaking down, dope dots and pick and roll, it's over. We're going to get offense that way. I I think it's going to be a little bit harder for Kansas. I think Baylor's kind of got that identity. I very well could be wrong. I also think Texas is a player here. So we'll see. But I I do think it's a little bit of an overreaction, a little bit of a reach. But I don't don't think it's crazy. I I think it's possible. Bill Self has done more impossible things before at KU.
0: There's been less talented teams that Self has won with and beaten other teams in this conference, not just Baylor, um, that have had more talent than him. And so for that reason, I honestly don't think this is that bold of a statement because you're only going against the talent of Baylor. You're not going against – this wouldn't be proving a narrative wrong. This would be the continuation of a trend and would be a continuation of last year because I think that Baylor last year – matched up as well as anyone in the country with Kansas. And that was my argument last year when they won in Waco was that KU had learned from its mistake in the loss in Lawrence. They had adjusted and that was going to, the second matchup was how the third and fourth, if it had happened in the final four matchups were going to look as well. So it might be an overreaction. I think that Baylor is, more talented than Kansas probably right now um, and has a more likely national player of the year candidate in Jared Butler um, just because other people are going to step up around Marcus Garrett. And for that reason, I do not believe that he's going to be in that conversation very much. Um, and is probably just a, I would write in pen, second team all American Marcus Garrett, because I think that that's probably pretty likely Um But when it's all said and done, I would absolutely bet on Kansas to win the big 12 because it's been there, done that for them. And for Texas, for Baylor, for West Virginia and Texas tech, all four of those teams, I have my questions because the inevitable dumb loss on the road to TCU or to Kansas state or any of those bottom tier big 12 teams, Oklahoma state, it's going to happen at some point. And that's, That's why I would push – I don't think it's that bold of a take, Griffin, even though I don't agree. At this point, I had Baylor number one in my heat check poll. I will be upfront about that. I think that they are super talented and cannot wait to see tomorrow night them in Illinois.
1: Yeah. Um, No, I kind of have to be the anti-Kansas voice, and, like, I don't necessarily necessarily feel as strongly maybe as I come across in juxtaposition – to you guys because you guys have an intri- for good reason. I mean, Bill Self has given you every reason in the world to feel the way you do. I just don't necessarily see it as much. I am open to be proven wrong though. It's happened before. Um, yeah. I just feel more confident about some other teams. Um, one of my overreactions will kind of indicate that I'm not going to do that one yet though. Here's my first overreaction. And I think Gabe pointed it out earlier I think the A-10 might be the fifth best league, sixth best league in the country this year. I think that they could definitely turn four tournament teams, maybe five, um, depending on how Davidson goes. I mean, Davidson really needed that win over Texas. They fell short. But Davidson's a tournament caliber team led by a guard in Grady that has showed out in the tournament almost down Kentucky a couple of years ago. Didn't make it last year. They run great offense. But you see Rhode Island play really well. You see, Mm -hmm. obviously, Richmond do what they did. Um, And they'll get a shot at West Virginia, potentially, depending on how their COVID situation goes. They're shut down right now. But here in a week, they'll play West Virginia and get a shot at them um, to maybe knock them off. You've got Dayton, who's Dayton. We know about Dayton. Um, I think it might be a little bit harder for them to make the tournament than I thought it was going to be, um, just because of the nature of their non-con. But St. Louis beat LSU without Hassan French. St. Louis looks like a top-10 team right now. And Gabe's looking at me like, wow, overreaction, but they just beat a team in LSU that we all think is a contender in the SEC and did it without their second, third-best player certainly their second most important guy, that's a huge – and they're built with guards who can score the ball, with guys around those guards, and Gibson Jimerson, who was not healthy last year and is this year and is slinging it from behind the arc, they're built in the mold of a team that's going to get to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8. I think the A-10 is just as strong as the Big East. I think the A-10 might be – this is probably an overreaction, but – might be just as strong as the Pac-12, certainly not as talented, but because of the veteran nature of that conference I think might be kind of as good. I don't know, man.
0: I'm – the A-10 looks really daggum good. They really are the pay-10 because you are sipping that Kool-Aid. Oh yeah. are all in on that A-10 Kool-Aid. It's, it's for good reason, though, I think. Um, I mean –
1: would you, I would would you agree. take? Listen, listen, listen. Would you take the top five of the A10 versus the top five from every other non-power six conference? Just Big Twelve, SEC showdown style, playing each other, squaring off one to five. How many? The A10 probably wins four of those games against against the what five teams other than Gonzaga from the non-power conferences.
0: So. They probably beat the American. Yeah, they beat. They beat. Yeah, they beat everybody. Here's the, even, the, yeah, the only team, in the West, Houston yeah. is the only other team where I'm like, that team's got something going on. Like
1: there's San some, Diego State, and maybe San Diego State, but I still think that, you know, you put San yeah, Diego the mouth, State yeah. in a ring versus St. Louis, and I'm probably taking St. Louis. I'm taking the Billikens. So yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't blame you. I'm just gonna leave that there and say that the 8-10 is really, really good right now.
2: Yeah, I think, I think you're out of that overreaction statement. I think the more of the overreaction is St. Louis being, like, as good as an Elite A team, which I could definitely see. I'm going to put them um, top 10 in my poll this week. I don't blame you. I had I think I had the St. Louis 12, I think is where I had them. They uh, Very impressive winning against LSU for all the reasons you said. I think that's more of the overreaction, though. I honestly think the A-10 is better than the Big East right now because we, we – we, as a better overall conference. The Big East yep. is basically Villanova, and then you've got Creighton, and then you think – and you guys really like UConn, which warranted. Well, Peyton me likes UConn. No, Peyton likes UConn, Gave you supported it. Don't know if you fully endorse it, but you, you can respect it. I'm more of a show it, I'm more of a prove it to me kind of person, so I'll wait for UConn kind of to prove that to me, but I, I support what Peyton said, and he, he's a very knowledgeable guy. I'll take his word for it. We'll see how they do. But, yeah, I mean, Richmond... I, if we're doing more than one overreaction, my second one has to go with them. Um, St. Also Louis VCU. is very, very good. Also, v, also yeah, VCU, I was going to say, VCU is a player in this conference. They're always VCU and Rhode Island are two teams that are always around the conversation. When the bubble's talked about, they're always in conversation when it comes to March. These are two teams that know how to win games when it matters. Dayton, like you said, is a good team. This, team, this is a fun conference to watch, and the A-10 got some love today on the Kansas-Kentucky broadcast for good reason because those Spiders went in there and did some work at Rep Arena and beat Kentucky, um, which I think we none of us were surprised by because we know how good Richmond is, but it was kind of a shock to the nation. So I, I fully support that, and I think maybe you could have gone bolder with it and just say, outright. Better than the Big East, and then I would say close to the same level, if not as the Pac-12.
0: Right,
2: I think the A-10 is pretty special this year, so I like I like that a lot. I think that was. You, I have,
0: think. you have to say you you can't just say that they're better than the Pac-12 and Big East because the bottom of both the bottom of the Pac-12 sure would still easily beat the bottom of the A-10 and the. Well, I, Washington. I, I Washington like, lost to UC Riverside the, today. Realistically,
1: game. realistically, <laughs> what is the bottom of the A10 because St. Bonaventure is supposed to be a decent team this year too. We've not seen much of them yet, but I mean, Valpo is not great, but I mean, scrapped with a power six team in Vanderbilt um, in their season opener and played down to the wire until they kind of were pulled away from by Bandy. But other than Valpo, like, where are you finding the weak link in this league? I guess like LaSalle and some of the weaker teams, um, I mean, we they're really bad. But you saw in- St. Joe's show some good stuff this weekend going to overtime with Auburn and kind of pushing Kansas for about 30 minutes. Um, I don't know. I just I, I think the top of the A-10 is really good. I don't think the bottom is horrible.
0: The best thing that you can say about the A 10, well, actually it's not even the best thing, but one of the things you can say about the A-10 is that their conference tournament this year you should actually turn it on during the quarterfinals. And you normally, oh, yeah. wouldn't, you normally wouldn't care to watch the two versus the seven and the four versus the five matchups in the A-10, and you will this year. And so that is a testament to that conference. I think that they are capped on NCAA tournament bids at four, probably. Probably. They'll because, eat each other. because people are going to beat each other up. And yep. the, the resumes of at-large teams get – poked and made fun of during late February and, and such. But if, if every time that they play a bigger school, Richmond beats Kentucky, St. Louis beats LSU, and all of, all of that takes place, VCU beats Memphis, When they if they have head-to-heads over all of the American conference teams that they play and any of the Mountain West teams that they play, and then they take down a couple of the SEC big dogs and the ACC big dogs and such – they're going to have a super convincing case. So I'm not going to push back on that. My biggest overreaction, I'm just going to come guns a blazing with my first one. And it's just oh, that the, the big 10 is not winning a national championship again. And oh wow, I, I'm going to that say is, that, oh, that is an oh, wow. That, that is an oh, wow. But nothing that I've seen, there are teams that I'm higher on than most people have been. I'm higher on Indiana than most people have been. And we saw today what the kryptonite for indiana was which was a team that is lengthier than indiana's length scrappier than indiana's scrappiness and slightly better at shooting than indiana is because indiana is not very good at shooting they don't have remarkably to be from indiana and not have any good shooters on that roster is something that i it might be the most impeachable offense from archie miller but The Big Ten is not winning a national championship. Wisconsin, I've told you, they don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a second-round pick. Michigan State, I I like what they do. They're scrappy. They are a decent contender to go to the Final Four because Tom Izzo will have them good in March. But they don't have any super overwhelming talent that I'm scared of either. If you go to Illinois, I think Io can be a first-round pick. I'm super high on him. I will get to him later. That's their best case because Iowa doesn't play good enough defense. Their adjusted efficiency numbers are awful, awful, awful. And from there, I'm just, I'm not that impressed. They, they don't have overwhelming talent. And I can't, I keep saying it. Kentucky has more first round picks in the last decade than the conference of the big 10 as a whole has. And that talent gap, limits them in March, and keeps them in games with teams that they shouldn't be with.
1: Yeah. Can I counter real quickly, like just really quickly? Because I think generally I agree with exactly what you said about Indiana and Texas. You said that to me on a phone call the other night. You said if Indiana, after their awesome performance in their first game against Providence, goes out there and just gets overwhelmed by the length of athleticism, of Texas, it's kind of like the Big Ten in bowl season against the SEC going down to Florida and getting whooped by all these middle-of-the-road SEC teams, these Big Ten teams like Northwestern and Iowa and Minnesota, even though they've shown a little bit better recently in these bowl games, getting destroyed by much more athletic SEC teams. My counter to that would be that I think Illinois and Michigan State are kind of like Ohio State in that conference in football in the sense that Ohio State's built like an SEC team so they can compete with them. I think when you look at the length and athleticism of Illinois, I mean, 20%, Gabe, of seven-footers in this country, in the world, I think, end up – no, it's. I think it's the United States. I don't have the exact stat, stat, but 20% of them, if you're seven feet tall, you play in the NBA. Illinois has one of those guys. That's Kofi. They got A.O. They've got a guy in Miller who's a really accomplished shooter. They've taken a step forward in that regard. I think when you look at Michigan State, I already stated the case earlier, but I to me through the first two three, four games that we've seen so far, and given also Illinois struggled with Ohio, the team that I think is gonna win the Mac. And also, that was the third straight day they'd played a game. I think Illinois and Michigan State are just far and away better than the rest of the league right now. Far and away. And I would almost separate them because I don't think the other 12 teams in this league, shout out Rutgers, your family, your religion, Rutgers basketball, Jimmy B week, support a good cause and go donate. But I just, I I really do think that those 12 teams, I give like a 25% chance of making out of the first weekend. One of those 12. And I would give it almost a hundred percent chance that both Michigan state and Illinois advance at least the sweet 16.
2: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think your overreaction is out of line, Gabe. I just think you're just going against a numbers game here. The fact that the Big Ten has five teams that definitely deserve to be in the top ten of the country right now. It's tough. It's definitely tough, but I could see it. Teams at would scare Michigan State. I know you guys don't like Wisconsin or Iowa, but the way Luka Garza is playing early, in the se- early this season, and the guys are getting in, they're just so good. I know they can't play defense, but, man, can they score it. Like, if there's a team other than Gonzaga, I think there's three teams in the country that are just so far and away better than everyone offensively, and it's Gonzaga, Illinois, and Iowa are three of the teams that can just put it in the hoop, man. These and Cre- I, I'll put Creighton in there, too. Griffin, the, Baylor those- up 110- and, and something on a yeah, good but I think those four teams Baylor will be up in there too, but those like those teams offensively are just different than everybody else. And I was harping on Kansas's offense. It's not on the level of those five teams. Like those teams right there can just get buckets at will. And that just always scares you when it makes a March Madness run. I get Iowa sucks at defense. Luca Garza isn't the most vicious rim protector out there but that man can score <laughs> 36 and a half I know the team they played was garbage but like come on man i I understand the Iowa hate do i think it's do i think it's warranted no i would say until they go out there and blow a game against a team that's just they really shouldn't be you just gotta you just gotta think that this team is capable of something um, I, do not. I don't so I, I don't I have, to. and okay. that's and that's where we disagree, and that's okay.
0: You're a believer in Ken Palm, and they are seventy-eighth in the country game. I am efficiency. You know that they're not good enough.
2: I am, it's I am a believer in Ken Palm game, and that also comes with Iowa being second in adjusted offense. <laughs> they can score, man. Like that is the thing. Like they're so bad defensively. But they make up for it with being so, so good. Like they're the difference between them offense – like the difference between how good they are on offense and how bad they are on defense isn't enough for me to like lose faith in them. And they're like in the hundreds defensively. Different story. They're on the lower end, but they're so high up offensively. It it you know, it, it helps out it, it helps out a little bit. So I, I can see why I and do I think a big ten team We'll, we'll talk about it. We, we're picking national champions here in a few seconds. No, I don't think a Big Ten team wins the national championship. So I agree. But you're you're playing a dangerous numbers game there because I think there's five really good teams that could make it happen.
0: But here's the thing. Here's the thing. What we, what we always do with college football is we talk up defenses and we talk up their physicality and what they're able to do in dominating the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. And then we get to the college football playoff and we realize that, overwhelmingly the rules of college football and the rules of football in general slant toward offense. And if you don't have an elite quarterback and if you don't have elite offensive talent, you're not winning the national championship in football. It is the same thing but the opposite direction for college basketball in that if you don't have an elite defense and you can't get stops in March, you are not winning the national championship. And it is a lot easier to slow down a good college basketball offense than it is to score on an elite college basketball defense. If Griffin, you were a huge believer in that Kansas team last year. And the reason they were overwhelmingly the favorite by Ken Palm and were three points adjusted efficiency measure better than anyone else in the country is because You literally could not score in the paint on that Kansas team. And there's nothing that is easier to do, I would argue, against any elite team in the country than there is scoring against Iowa. Yeah.
1: Let me say this. Let me say this. I mean, Iowa, the the ready comparison, if we're just going to stick with this football thing, is Oklahoma. In the sense that Oklahoma is really good historically on one side of the ball, and that's good enough to get them there. But when they get there and play those teams in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, there are two sides to the floor, and you really just can't win games only doing one side of the game well. You just can't do it. And I think that's where Iowa is. There is no greater discrepancy between a team's offense and defense as there is with Iowa in the nation. And I just don't see it. I personally do not
2: see it. I I would take Michigan State and Illinois way ahead. Of them and oh I, I'm saying those two teams are better as well all I'm saying is it's just so tough to rule out a three man just three-headed attack of Bohannon Wieskamp and Luca Garza that's just all I'm saying it's tough to write them off this early in my opinion do I think they win the national championship no but I'm not I'm not closing the book on them yet their offensive talent is as good as anyone in the country we'll see though we'll see I, I'm not disagreeing with the fact I don't think they're gonna be this team that goes and does it all, but I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to stop talking about them as contenders yet what's your second overreaction Griffin okay so the Richmond spiders and this spoils this spoils a little bit going into the the next segment we'll talk about with our predictions I've got Richmond as is one of my final four teams this year whoa um yeah oh. and it might, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got the Spiders going to the final four. So, there you have it. We're picking final four teams. There's one of my four, so I'll only have to list three. I think Richmond gets there. This team is just I – mean, the tough the, – the, the, the cinder block in their way, the brick wall, is St. Louis. And I think there is an inevitable match. That, so, I just – I don't know if it would be better for them to be lower-seeded with less expectations, so losing the conference to St. Louis. But that's the other team that I think stands in their way. But I think Richmond is the chosen one this year. They've got so much experience. They've got some guys that can score it. They're so balanced. This team just screams mid-major Final Four to me. So I'm jumping on the wagon. This could be, this could be like Marquette 2.0, but I'm going way deeper with it and way earlier. But this team shows a ton of promise. I don't know, man. I I just think this team just really screams out to me. Final four mid-major, they're the story this year. They've already had a huge win on the road, not as warranted in 2020, sure, whatever, but they go against a team in Kentucky that's extremely talented, extremely tough defensively. Yes, their offense is flawed, I know, but they go in there. They didn't even play their best game. It was a little bit of an ugly game, but that's what Kentucky does to you. They made Kansas play an ugly game tonight. I will give Kentucky credit where it's due there. They have made teams look ugly to start. Richmond, very good team. Kansas, very good team. Both struggled offensively because they're so good defensively. They still went in there, won the game. They're on COVID break right now, so they got to get through that early midseason hurdle. It's all part of the story, baby. It's all part of the prophecy. Spiders to the Final Four. I guess that that is my overreaction there.
1: I mean, it, crazier things have happened, I suppose, but – I think we're going to learn a lot more about Richmond when they're not going to catch anybody by surprise against West Virginia in a game where you you genuinely are playing against two bigs in Culver and Sheewe that you're not going to be able to marginalize with three-point shooting, how they stack up. Because they're a team that – I mean, I love Golden. He does a lot of the dirty work very well. But they could get out physical in March, and that's something that I'm interested to see how they match up with, because I think we all knew that they were going to be good. I think it was even a trendy and wise pick to pick them against Kentucky. Honestly, if I were making the line, I may have even made Richmond the favorite in that game because it just sets up. I mean, they're a veteran team playing Kentucky. They shoot the ball. Well, even though Rich—I mean, Richmond did not shoot well against Kentucky, no. which I think says a lot about what they can be, but Kentucky didn't make a three. And that's not necessarily out of the normal for what we thought this team would be. I want to see what they look like against West Virginia. So I'm pumping the brakes. I still think St. Louis is probably built to go deeper, but Richmond's also a team that's going to be able to shoot the three ball as well as anybody in the country. And that can take you a long way in March. I don't think it's insane. Definitely think it's an overreaction. This one's going to be a a bombshell. Okay. And I'm going to stick to this. I think for the rest of the year, I'm going to marry. I'm going to strap myself to this rocket, and hopefully I don't get shot into the sun. I would take Michigan State, Gonzaga, and UConn versus the field to win the national title of this year. Why are you adding UConn to that? I just – trust me. Trust me on this. They've got the vibe. They pass Michigan. the vibe check. This is, UConn is ready for that every four or five years run.
0: Michigan State, UConn, and Gonzaga. Yes, versus the field. Oh, my
2: God. So you're handing – so you're handing us Baylor, Kansas, Illinois. Oh,
1: Indeed. If I just was like – I would take the entire top ten in UConn versus the field. That wouldn't be very spicy.
0: That is a What's hard? I don't know how you got so high on Michigan State after tonight. The shot selection at times was just so well, bad. I mean, remember, I, I was toying around it before the season.
1: I'm like, I kind of really like what he Michigan was. State's doing. I, I think Michigan State and Illinois are pretty clearly the top two teams in the league. I, I didn't pull on bang the hammer down on the table and say it, but I kind of insinuated yeah. it. I'm saying it now, but I just think when you look at Michigan State, the way they were trending at the end of last year was a team that was going to be like in 40 to 50% of people's final fours, I think, with how they were playing oh, at the yeah. end of the year. Um, and they carry that momentum over without Cassius Winston. They're playing at a very high level. I mean, they only play Duke, so we'll see, but – I, the composition of this team is one that can win in every kind of way, that can do things when it breaks down, that's going to play extremely high-level defense, and is not going to give you an inch ever. So if Aaron Henry's bought in, I just I see this team as one that is going to give Izzo his best chance of delivering that second title that he's had in East Lansing so far. I think
2: this statement gets, like, saved from being out there from Gonzaga because I think Gonzaga is just so much better than everybody right now. Is From what we've seen, it's one week in. But as far as collection of talent goes, they've got it. Jalen Suggs is a lot better, and I was high on Jalen Suggs. He's a lot better than what I think a lot of people, including myself, really expected him to be. He stepped in, he's looked like a guy that's been here for three years already. He stepped into Mark Fuse's system and looked like a guy that Mark Fuse had for already two years, not playing that much, comes in and just, wow, he's really good. He's a freshman in here doing that. He's just different. Timmy right now is one of his right up there with Garza's best big man in the country. He's insane what he does offensively and passing. Yeah. That and then you know Kispert as well. It's just yeah, it's oh, unrelenting. Yeah. It, it, they, they are a they are
1: comes yeah, just, Ayai. Ayai,
2: yeah, Nem – like they, they're, Ayai. They're, yeah, I, yayi is just <laughs> another guy that's been there, done that with Mark Few. Nem Hard, really, imp- I really like the way he played against Kansas downhill guard, just rough it up. Like, he man, like, they're, they're such a good team. And I think it's like Mark Few's team to do it with. Some, Peyton and I were really having a conversation about this the other day. We were just talking on the phone. We were like, hey, there's, how has he not done it out of all coaches? Like, no, because we been were the two, winning
1: his coach ever if he coaches into his 70s. Yeah. Wow.
2: Okay. And he somehow no, hasn't won a, not one a national championship at all, Gabe. It's not. This dude, no. year in and year out, is a 30 win guy. Like, he, so I think that's the, like, it is definitely a, that is definitely a statement, Peyton. But if you had not included Gonzaga in there, I think it oh, yeah. becomes, like, an elite out there take. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I think I like what you see out of Michigan State. You are on them. But, man, I think Gonzaga really is just, like, because it's out there for sure. I'm not saying it's not. But, man, Gonzaga really helps that case because I think they're – they should be – in. they they should win this national championship. Like, they really should. They really should. With the talent and the roster they have and the way it's set up, they should, yeah. But again, a lot of things can happen. You don't wish injuries upon anybody, but it, it anything can happen, right? The season so can change just like that. So you yeah. never know. But yeah, that that that's out there. But yeah, for sure.
1: Let me let me also throw in a bonus one here: an underreaction. Let's not get carried away with Contagia because yeah, they look fantastic. Yeah. Um, Agreed. They played Kansas. They played an Auburn team without Sharif Cooper. By the way, free Sharif. That is ridiculous. If we were doing sanctions, I would sanction the NCAA like I always do because what the hell? I'm not even going to get into it. But if you want details on something stupid, go look up why Sharif Cooper is not playing basketball right now for Auburn. Anyway, I mean, we said this about Duke two years ago where it's like they're going to be unstoppable. And then they lost to Gonzaga in the Maui final. And then Zion got hurt. And they struggled. And they didn't meet Michigan State. It's different. This is a veteran team. I mean, Andrew Nemhardt is starting for 95% of the teams in the country, maybe even more than that. He comes off the bench for this team. So, if a guy goes down, they're set up to be just fine. Um, but with that said, they play some really good teams coming up here. They're going to play Baylor. They're going to see Iowa. Um, let's wait. Just now, if they beat those two teams and they, they just are rolling – They're probably not losing in WCC play. We could be looking at an all-time team. But, like, let's just wait. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, if if we get to WCC play and they are undefeated, uh, Peyton's Gonzaga plus two other teams take against the field is going to look a little less like an overreaction and a bold take and a little more like uh, you're padding – you're padding some depth to your to your uh, championship pick, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something to consider. We always kind of overreact to – and we are doing it with the Champions Classic, even though it's not the first night of the season like it sometimes normally is, early, early in November. Um, mm-hmm. But usually – the team that is the most impressive on the first night of the season does not always win the national championship. Barring, I don't think the last. I think the last one that actually that's been the case has been 2012 Kentucky, and maybe that they maybe they are one of those teams. But even with 2016 or 2015 Kentucky, excuse me, um, we've seen what can go wrong, and I think that the bigger. I don't know if it's an I'm going to throw it out here in an overreaction as we're talking about Gonzaga. And I'm going to say this, we are going to have the stupid, it can only happen in college basketball because it's not the NBA and not everything is about pure talent. We are going to have this debate about who is the best player on this Gonzaga team all year long, just like we did with Villanova in 2018 because Jalen Suggs is the best NBA player. By far. Corey Kispert is going to play in the league uh, and has some mega, mega, mega Kyle Korver vibes to him. And Drew Timmy is putting up the best numbers right now. And I will say right now, I'm team Corey Kispert. And that's where I'm, I'm sitting at the moment. But I also understand that Jalen Suggs is the most talented, is going to go to the highest in the NBA draft, and Drew Timmy has the best numbers. And Peyton released the National Player of the Year power rankings today, and he had Drew Timmy on there. And I said, "You better put a stipulation that it was your rankings, because yeah. I'm not endorsing that." I Shout out Drew Timmy. Timmy's dad, also. Shout out the program. Retweet Timmy. So. <laughs> Uh, but I do I, – I would like to put in an early straw poll of the two of you. I know where Peyton stands with Drew Timmy, but Griffin, I would like to go early straw poll. Who is the best player on Gonzaga?
2: So I think as far as guys that are going to contribute to the college team, it is Corey Kitzberg. I agree with you there. Wow. This is – yeah. Um, it, you just see the way he plays against Kansas. The way the, the he offers from the perimeter, three-point shooting, dribble drive, like, he, he is, what is what makes that run. He open he allows Timmy to have one-on-ones. He allows Jalen Suggs to have the lane opened up. They all feed off each other, man. But I think what it really runs through, the heart of that machine is Corey Kisper, and it all works because of him. And I, he, he is just so good. It, 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 yeah, I think that Kyle Klover vibes are there. When it gets to the NBA level, but when he's out here, man, he he he's a shot creator for himself out there. He does. He's not a. He can spot up shoot, but man, that guy can create for himself. He can get his. He can get to his spots really well. He's he's strong. He doesn't get pushed off his spots at all. Like, this is a guy that knows how to put the ball in the hoop. when you need a guy in March to go get you a bucket, zagger has got three of them. But I think the first one they give it to is Courtney Kisper. Um, so I I think it would be him, and then. I would go Drew Timmy because the reason why I don't go Jalen Suggs at the second one is I I go Timmy because the playmaking he offers out of the post as well. He's such a gifted passer and he's been so dominant down low and he's got great touch and he's got the experience. Suggs is up there. He's got the athleticism. He's got the playmaking. He's got the flashiness. All three elite players in their own right. I would go Kispert, Timmy, Suggs. Suggs is a top 10 pick. Um, neither of the other two are, but as far as this team goes and what they mean to the college basketball this year, that's my three.
1: I would say that I I don't think that I think Suggs is the best player on this team. I just think that Tilly is going to be the guy who's the least replaceable of any of them, because I mean, when have we seen backcourt wing depth like we have at Gonzaga? I I mean, I already said it, but Nemhard was arguably the best player on an SEC team that was probably going to the tournament last year, and now he's the sixth man for this team. I mean, Ayayi's is a guy with top twenty national player of the year odds coming into the year. So if one of these guys takes a step back or gets banged up or misses some games, Gonzaga's not going to miss a beat. And shout out Umar Ballo and his seven head and the extra rim protection his massive forehead provides, but. If kill like Drew Drew Timmy is just so irreplaceable. I think for this team, like they can mimic his production, but he's what makes this team elite. Because without one of those guards, Gonzaga would probably be somewhat close to what they are. Without Timmy, I don't think so.
0: That that's the best argument for Timmy is that yeah. there's not as much big depth as there is guard depth, for right? That.
1: And that's why I had him in the top four instead of one of the others. I wish I could just combine them and just Gonzaga, national player of the year.
0: I don't think that either of them will win in large part. It's going to be the same thing as KU last year, the Dotson-Doke argument where they both take votes away from each other. Um, and, do, you think, question, do you and not
1: to cut you off, I'm sorry, but do you think Obi, if he had come back – would be like the favorite against this field? How much stronger do you think the field is for – this is ridiculous. We've seen three games at most. But do you think this field is significantly
0: stronger than last year's or no? Um, Obi wouldn't be the – well, he'd be the preseason favorite. It'd be like co-favorites, him and Luca preseason but neither of them probably would be able to drum up the same kind of, kind of right. response as they did last year. Right. Maybe Luca is going to, if he just puts up 36 and a half, uh, right. consistently like he did. That's, that's just so ridiculous. How is that possible?
2: I mean, he played Southern. 36. That's still nuts, dude. Yeah, like, I, I know. don't care who that's against. That's still crazy. He only finished with 41, but. Oh, he barely played in that second half. Only, only. <laughs> I mean, he's on pace for 72, Gabe. I mean, only like this might be a warranted statement there. He was like 15
1: for 15 from the floor.
2: Yeah, it's Un-
0: unstoppable. But we do have a super, super deep end point conversation. Um, yep. Week one over actions. Do we have any more um, that we want to go out on a limb with? Get off our chest. I want this to be just reckless because I want us to go back. I want us to look back and just be like, well, off the cuff, we were pretty wrong. I think I tend to be, and I'm noticing this, a pessimistic, making a champion and that whole process has made me a more, it's made me a more pessimistic college basketball viewer. And so that's why, like, if I was a Wisconsin basketball fan and I heard me speaking about college basketball, I'd be like, just screw this guy. Like, not even giving us a chance of just writing us off from the beginning. But it, I know what the recipe is for national championship. And it's it's not it's not a bunch of white guys who just want to take charges all day. So, right. so I'm going to express some doubt there. I'm also, lastly, before we get to final four picks, national player of the year picks and coach of the year picks, um, I'm just going to say, haven't seen Florida State play yet. But I'm down on I'm more down on Virginia than I was. I'm more down on Duke than I was, and I'm more down on North Carolina than I was entering the year. Um, the ACC, the only team that has outperformed my expectations, is Louisville so far, and by that I mean that they are a team that I think is worthy of being in the top twenty-five. And that's it. That conference has been disappointing in my eyes.
2: Yeah, ACC stock definitely going down, but. Louisville gets a good win against Western Kentucky today, who I think is a mid major to keep your eye on. Uh, Charles Bassey is a reckoning force. Um, yeah. That's a guy that's going to get drafted this year, also. I, Western Kentucky, keep your eyes on them. I thought, you know, tweeted out from the money line are some college hoops picks today. I went with Western Kentucky money line, not completely sold on Louisville, That you know, going into the Yum Center, the KFC Yum Center. What a place. <laughs> Um, that Western Kentucky was going to go in there and and go go in there have their way, especially down low. Coach Mack and the, card, the cards did not agree with me, and they went out there and kind of whooped their ass. So I mean, Louisville, little 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 surprising there for me today. A little fire in that team. I like it. So um, yeah, I think ACC stock definitely going down though. Um, I talking about North Carolina. I was kind of unsure on them going into the year. I think they're a good team, but I think they lose tomorrow also, Gabe, because I think what Texas brings defensively in the interior is going to be too much for a team that relies on going to the inside for their scoring like North Carolina does. Caleb Love's going to have to shoot a lot better for them to start making teams respect them from out there. Wasn't very efficient today. I think North Carolina's solid, but I think they're outmatched here. But, yeah, the ACC in general, I'm not out on Duke. I kind of said in our GM, wasn't necessarily the best take, but I think they're a very similar team to Kentucky as to where they're going to have to find an identity. It's not necessarily developing the young players and all that stuff. It's more like this team needs to find out what they're going to be, and then I think they'll be better. Those young guys need to develop a little bit. We'll see how they do. Not out on Duke. Virginia, I'm not out on either. It's a slip-up. San Francisco's a decent team. I'm not going to act like they're very good, but they were okay last year. They're okay again. That's a good win for them. Huge win. Shout out to the Dons. But, yeah, that's a bad loss for them. But they're still – they're going to be fine. They'll be fine. Are they – do I think any team from the ACC is going to win the national championship? No. But I w- I'm not not out on those top two teams yet. Yeah. All right.
0: Do we want to do final four picks? Do we want to do national player of the year or coach of the year first?
2: I um, think – I think final four picks is a good place to start because I feel like if you have a team in the final four, most likely the player of the year will probably come from there maybe. okay, um, And yeah. then coach of the year, obviously, if a team gets there, I think it's a good starting point. All right. Okay. Who wants to – I want to go last
0: because my picks last year were okay. garbage. I had Washington, <laughs> North Carolina, Louisville, and my only saving grace was – Kansas and having Kansas as the national champion. Because Two of
1: those teams were not going to make the tournament.
0: And, yeah. And, <laughs> and one of them was going to be like a six seed, and the other was the overwhelming favorite. So yeah. I was right on that one.
2: How about this? I'll go first because I already did reveal one of my final four teams, and that would be the Spiders of Richmond. What? You thought I was kidding? I thought you were kidding. Man, I might be overreacting to this. You're actually – okay. No, I'm actually you? pick I'm actually picking them to go to the Final Four. Go A-10. Yeah, I'm actually picking Richmond to go to the Final Four. Um, Did you have this for the weekend? Or yeah, you, I mean, you, you, I, you was, well, I was, was kind of – no, I was like formula like – I, I told like, – I was so upset. You guys saw my reaction when Peyton nabbed Richmond from me in our could, would, should for mid-majors. I was very upset about that um actually lost a little bit of sleep over it if we're going to be quite honest and th- i mean i i think this t- like it just like i'd just love to see that spider logo in that final bracket where it says final four and it's going to be in indianapolis this year because that's the only place they're going to play any of tour- NCAA tournament games i think richmond's got it man it- it's just like they've got a formula. I think like they've got the vibes like Payne says of UConn, but I think Richmond actually has the vibes and they've actually got a team that's could do it. It's a one-year thing for this team, I think. And I think this is their one year to do it. Do I think they win it? No. Cause we're going to go over my other three final four teams. So we got Richmond, got Kansas. I'm going to put Illinois in there. I'm going to put Gonzaga. Those are my four teams right there. And are we picking champion or are we just going with the final four? Let's only do the final four. Let's only do the final four so yeah. yeah my final four teams are there i've got kansas because i talked about enough of them i think this team's motivated to get they they think they should have won it last year i think they're gonna get there this year and have their shot at it richmond already talked about them enough i just really believe in this team they're talented enough to do it if they get hot in march i think they can definitely get all the way to the final four i think they're gonna be around a four three maybe five seed. depends how this COVID situation handles them depends how they handle their non-con depends how they handle that tough A-10 schedule, but I think they get there regardless. I even think the lower the seed helps them, because they won't have as much hype around them. They'll be a little bit more motivated. Illinois, I think, is just wow, they're so good offensively. Ayo DeSumo is as legit of a score as they come. Miller comes on, and he provides, he provides a sharpshooter that no one saw coming, really. A guy that's going to be able to get you 15 a game and could explode in a tournament game. I think he helps them get there, really. is a is that dominant presence inside that a lot of teams need to get to a final four. And then Gonzaga, the square pick of it all. But I I would be shocked if anyone would be upset at me picking that because of how talented they are. They fit the making a champion, not even close. They, they might be the, the, the prodigy team of making a champion this season of what they have. They have the first round pick, you know, they've got these guys. They've got the experience. They've got three guys that are probably going to average close to 20 points a game. They've got a bench. This team's got a lot of stuff going their right way. So, I think, you know, I feel a lot better about this Final Four field that I've got. And that's with Richmond that I do about mine last year. I had Florida in mine last year. Not a good look. Not a good look picking Florida. <laughs> but I had Kansas in there last year, just like Gabe did. So, I am happy about that. But that's my Final Four right there. we got the Spiders. Of Richmond, Kansas, Illinois, and Gonzaga.
1: Okay. Well, that means that I'm up. I'm going to go fast because I've already given away three. Gonzaga, walk. Michigan State, walk. Yukon, write it in pen. Oh. <laughs> in pen. <laughs> it's time. Blue, they're blue, due. Blue, black, or red egg? Black, blue, and red. Yukon colors, baby. Rainbow. Um, Rainbow. Okay. It's Hurley's time. I'm very intrigued to who this fourth team is. And I'm down to three teams for this this fourth one. I just don't believe in Brad Underwood like that, so I can't do it with Illinois. They're just a little bit too young um, for me. I am – Gabe is going to hate this. So, if I'm down to Wisconsin. Baylor, which I don't think I'm going to do, but I will say this, that we didn't think that – Tony Bennett could win the important game until he did it. We didn't think Jay Wright could win the important game until he did it. Now he's the class of college basketball. I think Scott Drew might be in a similar situation in a program that he's kind of built from the studs. Gabe shakes his head in disagreement. So Baylor's option one, Villanova is option two, and I'll tell you that's where my lean is a little bit, although I'm not necessarily encouraged by how they've looked out of the gate. I will say that they're going to get Antoine back. That'll be big. We'll see what they look like at that point. Third team, Gabe is going to hate this, Texas, I think has Final Four upside. It's a complete team. Love their guards. Love Ramey. Love Coleman. They've got the five-star freshman that's going to go in the first round. They can shoot the ball. Jericho Sims has been a little bit of a revelation as a rim runner, rim protector, athletic 5'4 guy that can play center for you, but is also going to run the floor and stress things a little bit. Shaka Smart's been there before, at least. He's got the hair going. Something's a little different about this Texas team. We'll see versus North Carolina tomorrow. But I think I'm going to lock it in. Texas as my fourth team to the Final Four. Gabe is in
2: disbelief. He's doing a scream right now on my screen. Gabe is a puke bucket by his computer that he might need to use right now.
0: I'm going to spin zone this. I'm going to spin the. Oh, no. (laughs) Something super positive. I'm I'm very, very high on the Big 12. I think that one of the overreactions that I wasn't, that I didn't throw throw out but I think is very realistic I think Kansas Baylor Texas Tech West Virginia and Texas yeah all are going to be top four seeds for sure I would almost argue top three seeds in their conference if I had more faith no way way. in their in their NCAA region. A third of the top 12 what you're saying is a third of the top 12 teams in the country at the end of the year will come from the Big 12. There's no way. It's my overreaction.
1: It's something. It's beyond an overreaction.
0: Okay, I will say I will say I will make it a little more safe and I'll say top four seeds. I think there we go. Those five will be five of the top sixteen. Has that ever happened before that four teams from one like league have been top three seeds? have to do some research but it's certainly possible and I think that 9 of the top 16 could be from the Big 10 and the Big 12 combined but with that being said the, the spin zone that I'm going to say is that Texas has a chance I know that they are you're saying this because they I almost know and you, because I gave you guys the requirements for making a champion you guys almost know what the formula is and so you're going to weaponize Texas against me because I know for a fact they are going to check so many of the boxes this yeah. year. As long as they shoot the ball well enough from three and have the correct amount of leading scorers, I think that all of their adjusted defensive numbers and, and offensive numbers are going to be good enough because right now Ken Palm has them number two in adjusted defensive efficiency. And if they're putting up holding Indiana to 44, and I think tomorrow, that North Carolina-Texas game could be another rock fight. Um, oh, yeah. It, they're going to start checking the boxes. So I'm going to say I'm rooting for Texas because I – I can't believe I said that. Ro- rooting for Texas is me rooting for the making a champion formula because I believe that they're going to fit a lot of the boxes. So I'm not going to argue with you there. Here's my final four picks. Gonzaga, I think you're, did not, you're just being – you're just denying reality if you don't have the most talented team in the country there. I have Baylor number one in my heat check poll, but I'm not taking them to go to the Final Four. Because None of this, us took Baylor. In this case, because we have to project at some point coaching We matter. don't believe them. And
1: yeah. All I'm saying is we said the same stuff about Bennett and Jay Wright, and then they did it, and that that is gone forever. That stench, that stain is washed out.
0: Well, I think the difference is one of – a couple of those coaches were losing close games and we're getting to the lead eight. And Scott drew, you brought it up in the big 12 pod, the margin of victory and the margin of defeat in tournament big games the blowouts. has been huge. And he's just, when you lose to Georgia state and you lose to Yale and you lose to South Carolina, not a lot of great yeah, I don't, Evans. final four. not but- that they were so much more talented than that South Carolina team, so I don't. I think that it's a game that they should have. The won.
1: South Carolina team produced more pros than Baylor team.
0: From a college basketball perspective, they had better players on the whatever, team. and that's why it's a different sport than the NBA, and that's why we love it. Gonzaga is my first pick. Me and Griffin agree on on a lot of this. I have Illinois. I have Kansas because I think that at the end of the year. They are going to do the same type of thing as the 2018 team did. And my fourth pick is going to shock you guys. It comes from the same exact state as Peyton went with Texas. Houston. Houston's my fourth pick.
2: Wow. Wow. I think
0: think that they are the mid-major that's not really a mid-major that is more Gonzaga than they are St. Louis um, that – I didn't go with the knowing that teams miss usually make the final four. One team does that was not ranked in the top 25 preseason. So I thought about St. Louis. I thought about a couple other teams. I thought about like a San Diego state, but I've, Um, I've I've been notably. I thought about UConn. I've been notably anti San Diego state. You guys both went with non top 25 teams in Richmond and UConn. I respect that, but I'm going with Houston I can't believe I'm on the same wagon as a team led by Quentin Grimes. Uh, and He's balling, though. He is balling. He is balling. He is balling. And so that's going to – let's go to coach the year first before we get to National Player of the Year and National Champ because the segue – and I want to get to it. Anthony Grant won it last year, so it was a mid-major. And it was a team that overperformed expectations – And was going to be a top two seed, and I looked at all of the recipe for coach of the year, and I think that with Houston going to the Final Four in my book, Kelvin Sampson's going to be my national coach of the year.
1: Yeah, I could see it. I very well could see it Um, with Memphis not being the competitor in the league that they should be. I think it's time to if this non-con continues to spiral to just say that Penny's a bad coach. And I could have to eat crow on that, but this team is as talented as any team, maybe in the history of the American. And I don't think that that's a stretch. When you look at Musa Sise, DJ Jeffries, Canones, Boogie Ellis, like these are top 20 guys and multiple of them. And three of them are sophomores. And you're still out here losing to Western Kentucky and VCU. No, can't happen. Um, I mean, Houston looks awesome. I would ask you that, I mean, if this really just turns a 180 and Texas loses to UNC tomorrow and then just, like, doesn't win again, I'm being hyperbolic, but if the the Shaka smart DEFCON scenario plays out, is Kelvin Sampson the first person you call? Is he the first person you call for any major opening at this point? He's been at Houston seven years, and over the last three, they've just been a consistent, really good program with – by the way, Mills, that guy was outside the ESPN 100. He was like 190 and was their leading scorer as a freshman. That doesn't happen on a good team. It's just on a good team. He's a great coach. Like he's just a great coach. I I mean I think there's a real chance that I love this, Gabe. I think this is a terrific pick by you. The great pick. I don't look
2: back. This is really good. And I will I will contest. We said the same thing about the Washington pick last year. We said, Gabe, <laughs> this is you're stepping on this one early. We thought the Washington pick was really good. And I Davidson, think, let me we were let all make high it clear. Davidson logic, they and, were
0: horrible. And they beat just, and they beat Baylor, and it was a Big Twelve team, just like. Houston beat Texas Tech, and I was thumped. <laughs> and then it all went wrong. But here's the difference.
1: There really the- was a Gabe curse last year. It wasn't the Griffin curse.
2: Mm, mm. See, someone gets it. It's Davidson, just- UNC, and Washington.
1: That's a trend, sir.
0: It's, it's the Gs. The Gs are flipping. So That's true. Payne's got a G in his name. Just the last one. But, uh, oh, so maybe it's the Gallagher curse this year. But never. Uh, I- <laughs> UConn is impervious. What I will, <laughs> say, what I will say is this. They're they don't they don't rely on a massive amount of zone like Washington does. Okay, and they're not going to have two guys go in the first round who just are head cases kind of at yeah. times in Isaiah Stewart
2: and well, so yeah.
0: Let, let me make it clear again. I'm ready to get hurt again by Quentin Grimes.
2: Let me make it clear. This Houston, I I, I think this Houston pick is a lot safer. And hindsight's always 2020. 20, so looking at hindsight, the Washington pick. This Houston pick, I feel better about than that one in hindsight, right? So, um, but no, Kelvin Sampson's doing a great thing. High praise from Chris Beard. That those teams usually actually. I was when I was watching the game, this is actually a nugget that I found out, probably should have known before. But those two teams usually closed door scrimmage a bunch during the preseason. Couldn't do it this year with COVID and everything, so they actually played a game. Those two coaches, high praise. And you guys, you, you everyone knows what we think of Chris Beard, I think he's one of the best coaches in the sport right now. He loves Calvin Sampson, and he loves that Cougars program, I think, just as much as you do, Gabe, so they are dangerous for sure. Um, that's a great pick. My coach of the year, if I'm going all in on Richmond, right, it's Chris Mooney. If that team gets to the Final Four, he's got to win it. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna throw myself a safety net if you're going to call it. I'm, gonna, I'm coping out if you're going to call it that, but – I'm just saying I honestly think Illinois does get to the Final Four, and I'm giving Brad Underwood Coach of the Year for that. I think if they go on and win the Big Ten, and they look as good as they do right now, and they go to the Final Four, whether they win whether they win the national title or not, he got Champaign, Illinois, back on the map as far as college basketball goes. And he did it <laughs> in a big way. Um, that would be just an unbelievable coaching job. I think one that definitely wins Coach of the Year. That's me. If Richmond goes to the Final Four, though, like I'm predicting, but, you know, I, I, I am <laughs> throwing. I, I get to throw a safety net in the Coach of the Year award, okay? I get to do this, because I, I get to do this. So, if anyone that's hating on it, fine. Chris Mooney wins it if they get to the Final Four, which I believe will happen. But the better pick and the better prediction, just barring anything going wrong, it, it is definitely Brad Underwood. So, that's where I'll go. He wins Coach of the Year. Champaign, Illinois, stand up. What a city. Um, Never been. Wanna go.
0: It's not gonna, that beautiful. I've been there. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm going to say that, I mean, I think this will be determined for me um, whenever they play here on Saturday. But I think it's going to be one of Mark Few and Scott Drew. Um, because, I mean, here, look at this for Baylor. Three of Baylor's next four games between now December 1st and December 13th over the course of the next two weeks – they will see Illinois, Gonzaga, and Texas. That's three of their next four. So I think that'll be pretty telling. Um, but I, I honestly think that, you know, Gonzaga's schedule is loaded, but I, I think they're going to handle Iowa. I think they've got too much offense for West Virginia. So I think they win both those games. And then Baylor is really the last test left on there before WCC play. I think I'm going to go with few because I think they're going to sweep those. And I think they're going to go undefeated, and we're not going to be able to pick against Mark Few on that. But if they lose to Baylor, I'm going with Drew. So it, that's kind of the um, railroad switcher moment, the revolving door, if you will, um, in my pick. So um, can I? Can I? Do I have to make a pick now, or can I hold out until
0: Saturday? Make a pick, Coward. You've already had a week. All right, fine. I'm going with. I'm
2: going with Few. I'm going okay. with Few.
0: All right. Good luck. Okay. National Player of the Year awards and then national
2: champs. Okay. Um, Man, I'm hyped. I I, I didn't think I was this high on Illinois. Uh, but (laughs) Gotta paint yourself into a corner there, guy. I really am. I'm I'm loving the color orange right now. Um, And I'm really liking Io DeSumo as my employee. Through three games, you don't want to overreact. You might want to do the the hashtag overreaction pod. But this guy's 25.7 points per game, seven rebounds, six assists, 55% from the field, 43% from three. That screams end point, and if Illinois gets to the final four, I would assume it was easily taking home some hardware there. Um, And if he leads them, and he's that dude for them, just hand the award to him. He's playing insanely efficient and amazing basketball right now. Keyword's efficient because a lot of guys in college put up Put up digits, right? But sure. you don't see guys go 50-40. He went 50-40-90. He's not shooting great from the free throw line. Uh, 77%, it's fine. Um but he's 50-50-40 from the field splits and that that that's elite right there. That that screams out a guy that's just different. So I, right now and from what I've seen and going forward, I'm I'm riding with I would assume as my player. as my end boy.
1: I really want to say Booknight. I'm not going to. I don't think he's going to have the raw numbers. I will say that I think James Booknight and R.J. Cole make up the best backcourt in America. I think that'll bear true in March. Um, Maybe that's too much um, considering there's a backcourt that consists of Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert. There's a backcourt that consists of Jared Butler and um, Macy Oteague and I guess Davion Mitchell to an extent too. But I I really want to go. With, I'm torn here. I I'm gonna let Gabe go first because I'm still gonna make a choice. I can make rational arguments for about 18 different players.
0: It feels like right now, so Gabe, go. It's a good field. There are a lot of different arguments to be made, but I looked at the history. I'm, I I w- I'm Christian big, Brown. No, not yet. I hope. Who's your endpoint? And tell me why it's Christian Brown. If he <laughs> if he comes back next year, you can write it in pen. He will be my he will be if he come well, if he's if he plays as a senior, you can guarantee that he will be the twenty twenty two. Wait, would that be twenty twenty two? No, that'd be the twenty twenty three national player of the year. Yeah. Um neighbor guarantee. Not quite yet. He's gonna be a first round pick. Book that in stone. You somehow we end in that discussion. Um Shout out BVNW against the world. But I looked at the, the history and the precedent set. Doug McDermott and Zion and Jimmer Fredette, of the last 10 National Player of the Year awards, are the only guys who haven't gone to the Final Four. Obi didn't as well, but... Would've. Asterisk. national title. Peyton, Peyton would say he would've. There were some metrics that would point and say Dayton was somewhat flawed in terms of winning the championship. They probably could have gotten to the national championship. We'll see, but what well, we won't see. But you're, I no,
1: your Kansas kangaroo court where you catered <laughs> so that the Jayhawks could win. Dayton was right there at the end. That qualifies for me. I am Dayton also wearing a Dayton
0: hoodie. It's fine. It's there as well. All I'm all I'm saying is this. For you to win the National Player of the Year, odds are you're going to play in a Final Four team. If I'm going to pick someone from the Final Four team, I have to go through the list of Gonzaga, Houston, Kansas, and Illinois. Houston, I just don't think that there's going to be enough support for – Quentin Grimes? Wend, Grimes or Mills. there's No. Probably not. And that's going to be something where they probably go to the Final Four as like a three seed or a two seed. Eh. Kansas – I just think that it's going to be too many different nights where it's too many yeah. different guys between Marcus Garrett, right. Christian Brown, Ochai. Yeah, it's going to change even Jalen Wilson. Night. And then Gonzaga, I think I said earlier in the pod, going to be a, a Doke dotson type situation with Kispert and Timmy and Suggs. A Villanova 2018 thing with Brunson and Mikhail Bridges where we change up back and forth and back and forth and we can't decide who the best player is which leaves me with Illinois and leaves me with IO as my national year. His numbers are going to be insane. I think that they're going to win the big 10. And if they win the big 10, it's going to be because he outplays Luca. He outplays rocket Watts. He outplays Brad freaking Davison. (laughs) 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 And and they are going to pick up a ton of massive wins. And if there's anything – We as a podcast are, it's not super high on the big 10, but if there's anything that the national college basketball media is, it is super high on the big 10. And so that will boost IO. I think that they're going to go super far and it's going to be because of him. And he's going to be a first round pick. He's going to be the national player of the year and they're going to go to the final four. And my only, my copping out as Griffin likes to say, is picking Kelvin Sampson, win coach of the year instead of
2: Brad Underwood, because I think that, Great. he's going to go pretty far. See, you can do that. You can do that. You go out on a limb and you say a mid-major is going to go to the final four. That coach is likely going to win coach of the year if that happens. But, again, you're playing a very, very, very um, – you're stacked up against the odds, to say the least, when that happens. But, yeah, Brad Davidson, sheer force, Wisconsin basketball, insane. But A.O. will prevail.
1: Man – I wish. I mean, I wish Terrell Taylor played at a better school than Austin P. That wasn't losing to Abilene <sighs> because, like, dude is putting up as a guard twenty-three and thirteen and I, thirteen rebounds at six-five. So, like, if he was doing that anywhere else,
2: big P, baby.
1: Yeah, P P around the bowl. But I just. Oh man, <laughs> I really don't. I don't have an answer. Still, can I just like pick all of the above? Um, no.
0: Mr. Endpoint, just hop on. Every... I
1: don't have an OB. Who's See, number one? Luca Garza is your number one right now. Uh, uh Jalen Crusher. No, um, would be sick. Would be sick. Um, oh my god. If just hop I'm
0: on the st-
2: island of just hop on the no, island of no. Assumery wagon. No, no,
0: we're, we're not welcoming him, Griffin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um,
1: one of us. See, I want, <laughs> I want. Let me talk you through it. So I've weighed like Coleman at Texas. That's not happening. I, I've weighed Book Night. I don't think the Raw stats are going to be there. And I don't think that in the regular season, they're going to beat out Villanova. And I, I don't think Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to be consistent enough on a good enough team. Maybe they figured out. Maybe they don't. Um, I talked a little bit about Baylor, where. I think Jared Butler is going to put put up good numbers, but I don't think he's got the ability to average like 22, 23, 24, which is kind of where you need to be to win national player of the year, unless you're just on a ridiculous team. And then I don't know who to pick of the three Gonzaga guys. And I definitely don't want to pick Luka Garza. I certainly don't want to pick Mr. Empty Calories himself. Like the man is just a Twinkie as a basketball player. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's a stretch.
0: Just pick Remy.
1: Remy Martin write me down bang um, bang. Bang, bang bang um hmm, hmm hmm
2: just spit it out and just ride james with book Knife. You, <laughs> <laughs> you're already so deep in on yukon I, I i was i was going to give you the advice of you you're already you've you've loved on yukon so much just go with james book Knife for the love of god and just send it because if this is correct, you might have just had the best take of college basketball history.
1: I mean, this is right around the time that I figured out who Obi Toppin was. I mean, I didn't pick him to win National Player of the Year, but I was doing some research for the inaugural HC poll. I'm looking at Dayton, and I'm like, man, this Obi Toppin guy has ridiculous stats. He's really shooting like 70% from the field, like 25 a game, 11 rebounds. This guy looks pretty good. I had no idea who he was, but I'm like, Obi Toppin, that's a dude. Then I ranked Georgia instead of Dayton. That was a mistake. Anthony uh, Edwards. <laughs> but, yeah, no. I Whoa. think that uh, if there's a guy in the country that is to be my OB, I think it might be Booknight.
0: So, okay, we finally got a national player of the year out of Peyton. Is any anyone- also, also,
1: also, also, shout out to Austin Carter. Uh, no, that Austin Carter Samuels is an ex-Vanderbilt quarterback. Help me out. Carter uh, MCW, Michael Carter Williams. That guy. Shout out to his half brother, Marcus Zagorowski. Yeah. I didn't know that. He's going to put up stupid stats. I just don't think Creighton is going to be the, the cream of the Big East. He had 11
0: assists tonight, by the way. Before we, go, before we go, national championships, is anyone picking anyone other than Gonzaga?
2: I think I have to pick UConn, right? <laughs> <laughs> all in. All in. <laughs> Dan Hurley, yeah. the carpenter. <laughs> I mean, at home. this point,
1: if we're, if we're, like, projecting it, I'm a little bit more tentative. But at this point, I it would be foolish, based on what we've seen so far, to pick anybody but Gonzaga.
2: Yeah. Um, the, the pick is Gonzaga. But Rock Chalk. No way. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes. No. okay KU. KU is going to claim what was rightfully theirs a year ago
0: oh,
2: no way! take home the natty.
0: No Next. way. I'm saying – I'm just going to say this. Griffin's higher on them than I am. I'm taking Gonzaga. That's insane. <laughs> Griffin, <laughs> Gonzaga just beat Kansas, but it, they will get better. Story they will get mind. better, and Story winning tonight was mind. huge. Um, I'm taking Gonzaga. I think Peyton – Peyton j- basically walked up to the line of saying they're going to go undefeated this year and be an all-time great team. <laughs> Peyton was all over the board tonight. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, about, we're about... It is
2: start. almost 3 a.m. on the East Coast. Let's make it, that it clear.
1: 28 a.m., but college basketball never stops. I mean, we say it all the time, but we sleep in May, baby. <laughs> Peyton
0: literally does not sleep until May, as we can tell right now. But two hours in, we got a lot of takes. We had a lot of overreactions, and we had picks that we're holding to until March. So... They kind of fell apart early last year. They fell apart at the seams and we never saw them through because the tournament got canceled. But we're hoping that we're going to see somebody cut down the nets in Indy, just where we saw some great basketball games tonight. We're going to hope for great basketball games again tomorrow night. Once again, West Virginia Gonzaga, Illinois Baylor. If there's one thing that this season is getting giving us, it's just random schedule random schedulings right through the week and and great basketball games we are thankful for that for griffin peters for peyton gallagher i'm gabe schwartz like rate review subscribe see you next time
2: know that we next yeah. doesn't matter if it's sunday or monday you know that we flex Girl. you can never make it more obvious you check for the heat that's cold that's cold that's cold. <gasps> to the top of the top of this you can never reach uh, these goals up in the booth and we spin the truth Aye. we inspire the youth and we get to the loop you do what it does and we do what it do we turn to the max and they got you on mute, mute. oh flow so high so you know Aye. i had a running back blazes the ball then we running Aye. like a running back gay shot, so you know Aye. we have a with that turn you in the out so you know we ain't no coming back now we done with that